Bring it in. This is uh, this is not your father's re-adoption pod. And you can probably tell right off the bat that it sounds a little different. Uh, and that's because we're doing something special today. We are doing an in-person version of the re-adoption. There will be videos and stuff attached, but all three of us are here. Shout out to Mr. and Mrs. San Vito uh, for the hookup, letting us come and, and do the pod here. We're going to watch some of that football together. We're finally going to get to our Bud Light seltzer fall variety pack as we've already missed daylight savings and all this stuff but boys we're together we're the crew's here. here we got a video camera set up we got the whole thing you'll get to see us sip on some some beers and you get to see us do some other stuff but uh it should be a really fun pod uh it, again it'll sound a little echoey we're all you know normally in different places in our little rooms right up to our mics but instead we're here doing stuff a little different but it's gonna be a ton of fun and i'm uh, i'm very much looking forward to this it's gonna be a great pod I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad you guys came in. Thanks for coming down. Um, yeah, ended up in Virginia today, so uh, figured we'd all do it together. Hey, I live in Virginia. I, I'm, you know, I'm here today, so I, this is nice. As, it's as if we all, I mean, Scotty and I obviously both live in Virginia. But yeah, we're all, man, we're all here. We're all here. We got a, uh, we couldn't really figure out a way. I mean, look, we're not using the nicest microphones in the world, right? Like, we're not using super high quality. We don't have like little headsets or anything. We're not so. a sound studio with all the no. dampening and, and you know. No, we're in a stuff. we're in a basement with uh with some hard walls and some echoing. So we're doing the best we can. But I figured doing it all together, sacrifice a little bit of sound quality to get us all together. I think we've made the best of this. So um, let's hop into it, boys, because we had a we had a very long weekend of football. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to my first Penn State game, my yeah, not in happy bad. My first Power Five football game ever. Did wow. you um, also go into the student section with the rest of the Penn State fans? Uh, I I didn't. <laughs> um, so actually, I was very lucky. I got a shout out to Rick Neuheisel, who uh, you can watch on CBS on the weekends. You can also hear him on SiriusXM. Former UCLA head coach, former Washington and Colorado head coach, uh, Rick. I was talking to him earlier the week. I was like, yeah, like, I think I'm going to go to the game this weekend. He says, oh, do you need tickets? And I was like, well, I didn't say I already had tickets, but I also didn't know if they were bought yet because someone else was getting them. I was like, uh, yeah, I, I do, actually. And he goes, oh, let me let me, let me me call a guy. I'll, I'll get you. Hooks me up with two tickets in basically, like, the equivalent of, like, the boxes there. that are Everything short of, like, the super nice boxes that, like, nice alumni and, like, really rich alumni get. Mm-hmm. I got the you know, like the step below where you're still technically in the stands, but it's like kind of roped off and it's like a little bit down free food, uh, free drinks, not alcohol, but free food. Uh, and, uh, so we started up the game up in like the nosebleeds where our seats were. And, and that was fun for the first quarter, but I was like, one of my coworkers was, was there with her daughter. I was like, well, I gotta go down. I gotta go check out these seats. I only give me two. I thought I was might've gotten four, but we got two and went down and they, it was like that scene in Wayne's world, man, where you have the pass and you're like, can I, it's good. Can I, am I good? Cause I felt so out of place and I, and like, I didn't have any Penn state gear. My buddy I was with is Penn shout out Ryan. Uh, as you guys know, Ryan as well. Uh, you know, he's decked out in his Penn state gear and I'm just in like a white quarter zip and like a white hat. And, and I, 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 if I repped one side or the other, I definitely repped more Penn state than, good. than Maryland. Uh, but sure. yeah, they, they set us up and got some, some nice sausage and some hot dogs and burgers and a bunch of nice food and sat down. And it was, 
I think I sent you guys a picture. Like it was an unbelievable. It was, like, it was interesting. Like the, the, t- cause you sent two pictures, you sent your initial uh, seats and then you sent the seats from when you got oh, upgraded. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's quite a difference. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we went from being like, like eight rows from the top, which I like sitting up there. Like I enjoyed it. Yeah. I pull up the dichotomy here <laughs> as this is great radio. I mean, Beautiful view, good view of the stadium, everything. Yeah, Yeah, but then you're sitting in those bad boys. In the 50. And you're like, yeah, we're like right on like the 30, the 30 yard line. And we're sitting there like perfect viewpoint to see everything and uh, end up sneaking back up there a little bit later because nowhere in the stadium did they sell coffee. And I knew we were going to go, we were going to go to a college bar after that, which don't work. I don't know, man, like leaving college and going back to a college bar just made me feel icky. Yeah, yeah, I didn't feel great about. It. I love that. We, we had, fun. I mean, don't get <laughs> wrong, in, dude. That's my favorite. <laughs> we had a great time. There were there were plenty of like parents and like older people there too. So it's not like we were the only yeah. ones. But you look around, it's like eighty percent, like nineteen to twenty one year olds at a bar, uh, nonetheless. And then we closed out the night, going to Dave and Buster's. Did you really? We did a late what night. Fun. Okay, for- well, well, how late? Because because my favorite part about this weekend, I want to touch on. This is my favorite weekend of the entire year usually and it's because right when bars are supposed to shut at two it hops back to one and we're open another hour it's true it's true we had we had daylight savings this weekend so i witching hour yeah I, yeah seriously <laughs> it's the real world. it's the human witching hour. <laughs> um no i ended up driving uh driving back then because i had you know wanted to be back for football on sunday and everything so i'd stopped drinking at the football game and i had like one or two beers at the bar and uh, we ended up going to Dave Buster's because there were two big fights. There was a big UFC fight, and then Canelo Alvarez had a fight. And it was like a $5 cover at the Dave and & Buster's. And we went in, and we played a bunch of games. And it was like – it was like I, and, we, you know – by the way, they call them the shorts there, like for their smaller beers. It was massive. Like it was at least a 24-ounce beer. But it was – that was the short. And uh, and we were – it was so much fun, dude. We were playing Papa Shot. They have Papa Shot tic-tac-toe, tic-tac-toe now. Mm-hmm. Where it's like there's like six lanes or connect four rather, and you're like shooting it in, and that counts for you. And it's like rapid fire, mm. you just keep going. So uh, no, we had a great time, and uh, and Penn State came out with a big big win. They looked awesome. Um, mm. Jahan Dotson was great. Oh shut up, Scott. <laughs> um, it was it was all in all. it was it was a great time. It was a it was a really fun time. Uh, the rest of the college football weekend, yeah. saw not true we saw some some <laughs> upsets uh scotty's picks didn't go great two of my upsets hit i was very proud of that i had a good good day there uh and then yeah and then we had a, a crazy crazy uh weekend in the nfl so let's get into the nfl stuff uh thursday night game not a whole lot to talk about there carson wentz and uh i almost said carson wentz and the eagles carson wentz and the colts absolutely thrashed the jet the jets uh which i was kind of disappointed because mike white actually looked really good in that opening drive, let him down, scored a touchdown. He hurts his hand and wasn't able to finish. We saw a, a Josh Johnson sighting, which I didn't realize he was still on an NFL roster. And poor dude chucked it 40 times and didn't have a whole lot. His experience was a lot different than Mike White checking it for 40 times. Yes. Uh, but the the Colts won uh, pretty handily in that one. Uh, and then that brought us to our Sunday games, which it really felt like this weekend was all over the place, right? Like, there was only a couple of really good games, but there were a ton of really surprising games. So I think the most surprising one of the weekend is your Broncos, you know, right? I mean, they're 10, yeah. they're 10 point underdogs going into this game and they're not matching up against the Dallas team that had looked great. They won last week on Sunday night football with Cooper rush. 
And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, we get Dak back. The Broncos look like they're waving the white flag as they, you know, traded away Von Miller. And yet here we are, the Dallas Cowboys just get absolutely throttled. So how much fun was that, obviously, as a Broncos fan, when you're kind of down and out, you watch Von Miller leave. And uh, was the thing holding back the Broncos the entire time actually Von Miller? <laughs> I love that's a hot take. I like that. I, I It was one of those games when you're watching your own team and you're like, okay, we're up, but we keep getting field goals and we're doing okay and we're getting turnovers, but we're not getting the end zone. Like, when is Dallas going to turn it on? And we just kept holding on. Like, it felt like the floodgates were going to open and they never really did. Suffocating, it yeah. was really awesome. It was a really great game to watch as a fan when – red zone switching in and out and you're like oh is dallas driving what's going on and then they switch back and you're like holy shit we got the ball again yeah We're in field goal range you know what i mean like how many field goals do we have scotty i know you have it up there like i don't know how many field goals we kicked i know we missed at least one and an extra point the time of possession was crazy mm -hmm. um yeah 41 minutes of, the, of the 60 denver had the ball like they just didn't give dallas the ball uh, they, they ran the ball 190 yards between uh, Javante Williams. First big Javante Williams game, a yeah. first 100-yard game of his career. Still, but Melvin Gordon still had a good game, He too. still had 80 yards himself and yeah. a touchdown, right? Um, and Teddy Bridgewater, touchdown, but negative one rushing yards. <laughs> Despite the touchdown, uh, that's, that, you, you won't see that very often, a rushing touchdown, but being negative one yards in uh, totality there. Uh, but, but honestly, they did it in a bunch of different ways because, yeah, they ran the ball really effectively. But the deep touchdown pass to Tim Patrick, they looked great. Uh, they, Tim Patrick's coming on. Underrated I mean, receiver. So underrated. And he ended up getting hurt in the game, right, because he didn't play in the second half. Uh, but I think uh, I would also add, too, like that is the added benefit of having Jerry Judy come back, right, because you're bringing in a very skilled young receiver who hasn't gotten a ton of play. But now when you're running the ball that well and you have all those passing options, I mean, Cortland Sutton was basically – he was one-on-one -on -one with – uh, Travion Diggs like the entire game or Trayvon Diggs I'm getting the Travion Henderson now anytime I see the name like Trey I'm like adding an extra syllable in there um but no the Broncos looked really good and defensively you know I think the one thing that the Broncos were smart with was like they got a really good haul in for Von Miller at this stage of his career while on an expiring contract but they still have guys who can rush the passer behind him without even having Bradley Chubb you know who's kind of been banged up throughout the majority of the year um Definitely, I mean, the Cowboys and the Jags, the amount of teasers that got killed because, of, you know, so many people throw him in, throw them into parlays to kind of up their, their odds on stuff. And they just, I mean, it was a bad weekend to be a better, bad weekend to be a better. Um, Scotty, what was your biggest takeaway out of this game? Just the def uh, two weeks in a row, the defense has been absolutely masterful. I mean, they put together drive, or uh, I couldn't give you the, the stats last week, but they give up only 290 yards to this explosive Cowboys offense, which is insane when you have C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, the way he played last week, even mm -hmm. uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who's I think is banged up and is playing banged up. Um, he had a knee contusion or quad contusion at yeah. some point in this game and was he ended up coming back from it, but yeah. yeah. That, yes. uh, what I was so surprised about too was Tony Pollard not getting as involved and, yeah. and just our ability to stop the run, our safeties, this is probably the best game. We, we have good safeties. We have a good secondary. Um, but if you look at like PFF rankings, we haven't played that well. Even Justin Simmons didn't really have a great year so far. And in the last, you're saying last couple of weeks, but specifically this game, they, they played lights out. And I was really, really happy with the way we challenged balls in the air. Um, everything was contested. We had an attitude about us. And that was 
I, I don't know if it was because of what happened with Vaughn. Clearly something happened in the locker room, though, and we were ready for this game, and, and we shocked Dallas. Without a doubt, they were not – you could just see it by body language. Like, it was like, holy shit, these yeah. guys are were slamming every single gap. Anywhere the running back was ending up, we had a couple people there. It's the one weak spot of Dallas's defense. Dallas doesn't have that that you know big three technique nose tackle. They don't have that interior guy who's going to stop the run. But they don't need it when they have Micah Parsons. Well, I I, I disagree team. because you, there's things right. you can do to scheme up and run away from him. And look, Micah Parsons ended up you know having a good day himself. Like Micah Parsons, I felt like was the only guy. I mean, he had ten tackles himself. Vanders had twelve as well. Um, Micah Parsons with two and a half sacks to go on top of it too. But the thing is, is like when you're running that ground and pound right up the middle, having like a, like Van Der Esch is more useful as a linebacker in those cases than Micah Parsons, who's mm-hmm. more of that like versatile athletic yeah. guy who can drop into coverage, rush from the edge. You can blitz him and stuff. He's good in a zone scheme running game where you, you know, there's going to be holes. It's going to be more left to right stuff. But we were talking about like, hey, we're just lining it up. We're running in between the guards. We're running between the tackles. We're going to trap on you. And we're just going to let, you know, and this, this is the part and we've said this before with the with like why aren't you giving Javante Williams the ball? And this is like this is why we've been saying it because the, it's he's shown all these flashes. And yes, Melvin Gordon's had a really good year too. But when you have two guys who can run the ball effectively, and you know Teddy, like they're not pushing the ball down, but Teddy's also had a bunch of deep passes this year. Like I, I don't know exactly where he ranks in terms of like um, twenty plus yards passes down the field, but my guess is he's probably higher than than you would expect. Um, Teddy's one of those guys who like he's hit a lot of deep balls this year some for touchdowns some not um, and he's not afraid to take those shots but those shots become more dangerous and more open as we saw in the Tim Patrick touchdown when you're jamming the ball up the middle time after time again mm-hmm. um, so yeah I mean it, it was a great win for for Denver on the other side looking at Dallas I wouldn't say that it, it changes my thoughts on Dallas I didn't think Dak looked that great all things considered um you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't bad. And I, I get, everyone said it, like, it wasn't the injury. Like he, he was fine. The injury wasn't a part of it. I, was like, I don't know. Sometimes like it, it looked like he was slower, particularly when he tucked it to run a couple of times. Uh, it definitely wasn't the best day for Dak, um, but also, you know, kind of coming back. I haven't really played. Cause remember he hasn't played in three weeks. Yeah. Last time they played is when last time Dak played was when they beat new, uh, new England three weeks ago. And then they had their bye week. And then the last week with Cooper Rush, so it had been three weeks since he'd played in the game, probably a little bit knocking the rust off. It doesn't really change how I feel about him, especially given the fact that they have a three and a half point lead or a three and a half game lead on everybody in the division right now. And, uh, and the Eagles obviously aren't a contender for that. I mean, they have the NFC East. It's, it's something catastrophic would have to happen in order for Dallas to, uh, to not do that, to, to, to not pull off the division. Um, I would say the next game in that window that's worth talking about, despite it being a really ugly game, was Buffalo and Jacksonville. Um, shocker of the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking about a team in Buffalo that I think most people would consider the best team. Even, even after that loss, I still kind of think Buffalo is the best team. Mm-hmm. And that goes to show how weird the AFC is right now. Because we'll get to the Sunday night game in a little bit. Obviously, Tennessee smacking – the Rams in the mouth and like dominated that game start to finish. I don't I mean, and, and we talked about this in the last spot too, Tennessee, the rest of their schedule, how easy it is versus like Buffalo who still has New England twice, Buffalo still has some other guys in front of them. But in terms of the way the team's made up depth defense, I mean, I feel like the Titans are really like one injury away. Like they're playing awesome team football right now. 
and beating the Rams and all that without Derrick Henry. But looking at the Bills, the Bills still roster construction-wise, like I don't understand what went wrong in that game. Uh, it was amazing to see like Josh Allen struggle, the Bills won. I mean, and I know that was probably overplayed, and we've all heard so many puns already. Between oh, the, the Josh Allen. Oh, yeah. yeah. How awesome was that? Josh? It was so cool to see. And good for him because, like, you know, for real, I think I think what's really important to note is that he was also a very highly talented first round pick. And they were and drafted in the same spot. Were just they? two rounds, just a year apart. That's so funny. And and I think seventh. I'm really, really excited for Jacksonville. They needed something. And I was surprised that it came on the defensive side, not the offensive side. Their defense won that game. Yeah. Far not, I mean, that was without a doubt a defensive win against one of the best offenses in football. And that was just such a shock because you figured if Jacksonville was going to win any game, it would be a shootout. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence would have one of his classic Clemson day and he's just slinging it right. And that was not the case at all. In fact, Jacksonville's offense struggled quite a lot. Yeah. And this was so uh, another kicker. Kicker ended up going oh three, three for six. That was the first kick they made in America. Yeah. Like, that's the start with that. <laughs> that's first ridiculous. Week, week nine of the NFL season. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was the first one he made at home. Is that it? No, it was the first. It was the because the only time he, made, he yeah. made it was in London. So it was the first kick he had made on American soil. Goes three of six uh, to, to win that game and missed miss a couple that. I mean, that's what's so weird about it, right? I mean, if you're going to get ugly. And, that, and I think that's what was kind of shocking about it was, I feel like when games get ugly against the Bills, like I kind of bet on Josh Allen, right? He's kind of this scrappy, like he can just kind of, he's not quite Lamar as a runner, obviously, because Lamar's in such a class of his own, but in terms of just being able to make, make something out of nothing. Right. And, and there were parts that he did that. There were some drops that, that hurt him. Um, yeah. But it, it's interesting that in both Josh Allen and Mahomes, they're regressing to the versions of them. Like Mahomes looks more like Texas Tech Mahomes, than he does this, the MVP Super Bowl champion Mahomes. And Josh Allen looked more like rookie year Josh Allen in this game than he did before. Where you see the flashes of the arm strength. You see the, the moments where he's out. But I give a ton of credit to Jacksonville because, yeah, like Jacksonville, their offense wasn't great. Trevor Lawrence, I think, made some good throws. Again, was killed by a couple drops. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams were heavily penalized in this game. So it was, it was ugly in that respect. But Jacksonville's defense came to freaking play. The cornerbacks were, I mean, Stephon Diggs got his first catch like late into the third quarter. Like you can't, you can't have that. And Cole Beasley had an ugly stat line. It was like, I think he had eight catches for like 30 yards or something. Like, like just one of those really, really ugly, ugly yeah. stat lines. Eight for 33. I mean, eight for 33. Yeah. Brutal. And that was the thing you, you could tell, like Josh Allen, we're used to seeing, like you said, he has such great arm strength. And he was moving around and, and really slinging it, and he can fit it in tight windows. But he also sends it deep very, very well. And that's what him and Stephon Diggs did so well last year and how Stephon ended up with the most yards in the NFL. And then you look at what happened this week, and you're like, what's going on here? Because I'm pretty sure, yeah, like, you know, he averaged like five yards of completion. Yeah. Which is just so low for an NFL quarterback, let alone Josh Allen, who we're used to seeing push the ball down the field. Yeah, and it- I think it was a, a breakdown on the on the Bills offensive line in this game because mm-hmm. the, the Jags defensive line came to play, yeah, but like they couldn't even run the ball. I like, couldn't believe it because all right, when they like when Jacksonville and the Broncos played earlier this year, their line couldn't do anything against ours. And and I gotta say the Bills offensive line should be better than the Broncos. I don't know if it was just a matchup scheme or what happened, but there were 
multiple times. They weren't even rushing more than four. Yeah. And you're right. Josh Allen's having to escape and run away, and he couldn't even get going. Yeah. He couldn't even move out of the pocket yeah. before he was getting tackled. Yeah, and, and four sacks, six tackles for a loss. Uh, the 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 Jags defense came to play. And, Scotty, I mean, you you took Jacksonville to cover that 14 and a half. I don't think you were expecting this. I don't think anybody in America was expecting this. Manning curse is alive. But that's the other thing, too. The Manning curse now becomes that <laughs> much. It's unreal. It's, a, it's, it's like what happened with the Madden curse in the 2000s. Yeah. Like, but that was a year after year yes. thing. This has been, what, there's been five Manning, we got you know, Manning week. casts, yeah. and now every single one has been it's crazy. Has been crazy like this. Yeah, it was. Uh, and it for was, anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, everyone who's ever appeared on the Manning cast on Monday Night Football that plays in the NFL currently has lost their next game after yeah. being on. So, um, you know, you'll hear this on a Tuesday. Manning cast wasn't last night. So, We'll check back in and we'll, we'll definitely. Yeah. Next week, week 10 is the next Manning cast. Yep. So next week we'll see if it continues. Uh, Nothing impressive on either side of the ball uh, on offense or defense. I mean, Josh Allen, I think he had two fumbles in this game, uh, two interceptions as well. Just unremarkable football on both sides and, and just kind of an ugly game top to bottom, but the AFC picture right now, I thought was cluttered beforehand. And it's even more so now yeah. because even though Tennessee did win that game, I still don't know what the long-term, like how do we treat them long-term without Derrick Henry? Because in, in my mind, like we, we talked about how easy the remaining schedule is and it's significantly easier than anyone else, but Buffalo, I mean, Cleveland without OBJ. I mean, the, the numbers with Cleveland without Odell Beckham Jr. are absurd and we didn't really get into that and we can get into it here. Um, Cause that's the next game I wanted to get to here, the Cleveland and Cincinnati game. But when you look around the AFC, I mean, the Colts have an outside shot somehow. Yeah. If they kind of get their stuff together and continue, continue winning, but they have a hard remaining schedule. You look at the AFC West right now, it's two teams are five and three, the, the uh, Raiders and the chargers. And then two teams are five and four in the chiefs and the Broncos. So I don't know who is winning that division. Amazingly enough, the Broncos are in third place. And after the way they, they just put the hammer down, I mean, that's a tough style of football to beat, and you have to be kind of built to do that. Maybe they've stumbled into something. The AFC just feels completely wide open. And I'll tell you what, the New England Patriots, they're going to be around. And, and I guess the one other team you have to throw in there, too, would be Baltimore. Um, and actually, let's go there before we hit Cleveland and Cincinnati, because that game actually was good. It went to overtime. Every week but one this year, we've had an overtime game. I I remember. Like, we still so, haven't had a tie. We still have not had a tie. I, I think we were as close as we've been this yeah, week. Yeah, I thought so too. Me too. But the problem is, is Justin <laughs> Tucker was on the team that was, you know, kicking a field goal to win the game at the end of the season. And as soon as you were at that point, you know, I think we knew Justin Tucker's not missing that. <laughs> um, but Minnesota, this goes back to the Minnesota thing. And, and it proves the point. It's worth mentioning again, right? Minnesota – and Baltimore, for that matter, every game they play is a weird game, right? Minnesota now, every single game, with the exception of one, has been a one-score game. And they find ways to either win games remarkably or lose them remarkably. And there is no in-between with the Minnesota Vikings. They're as frustrating of a team as I can ever remember. And then on the Ravens' side of this, you look at, you know, Lamar Jackson in his career had never come back before this season had never come back from a double digit, a double digit deficit to win a game ever. And everyone talked about, Oh, it's because he's running quarterback. They have to run the ball so much. He can't go out and throw it. 
He's won three of them this year after being down double digits. And we're seeing a side of Lamar and a certain level of his development that we haven't quite seen before. And if you're asking me who's the team that you would pick to come out of the AFC right now, I think I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, really? I think so. I, I like that. I mean, I've been on them, you know, I, I've been a huge fan of them. And I, I think when you look at, we've been talking about this, like you just said, what, what do we think of Tennessee down the stretch? The thing you know about Baltimore down the stretch is they're going to be able to run the ball. And that plays so well when it comes late in the season. That's why Tennessee's always been around and made a playoff run. Mm-hmm. And every team's been so scared to play Tractor Cito and all of a sudden he has a couple 200-yard games getting ready and then it's playoff time, you know what I mean? Yeah. But now what you have is a Baltimore offense that even though they've had injuries, they've found a groove on the running side. And I, I was just impressed with, like you're saying, they're finding ways to win. They're finding ways to come back and, and get some of these close games. They still have these letdown games. They're still one of the most inconsistent good teams but that's the AFC. Yeah. Like I don't. There's no consistent good team in the AFC. No. It feels like whatever team gets hot in the playoffs is just going to be the one that goes and runs. So that's why I think from everyone as a football fan, from seed one to seven in the AFC, you if you're in it, you have a chance. You have to be excited. You know. I mean, the Ravens sitting here at six and two. Tennessee's at seven and two. They just haven't had their bye week yet, so they get that half game ahead of Baltimore. But then it's the Chargers. The Bills, the Raiders, Pittsburgh, New England, Kansas City. I mean, I, the only team – and what's crazy is, like, even still, like, I can see New Orleans – or I can see Baltimore going on a, a crazy run, right, and finishing out the, the season as the number one seed in the AFC. He is that dyna- – Lamar Jackson is that dynamic of a player. He's proven that the, the in-between stuff, right, it's not just throwing the ball a couple of deep shots a game and, and trying to hit Hollywood Brown. But they also they find themselves in these games, and, and how confident can you be in a team that has had three double digit come from behind victories this year? And yes, you learn a lot from that, right? It's like, oh well, they can win any of those games. They're in all those games. But when you're, we're Minnesota talking about has. like, but we're what's that? I don't think Minnesota has. No, Baltimore. Oh yeah, uh, Baltimore has. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Baltimore's had three double digit, you know, come from behind wins this season. So I don't know how to. To me, like you're talking about the number one team, the team that you have feel the most confident about. It's just crazy that we're at a point that it, that the Ravens, having gone through that, having to come from behind in three of their wins this year for again double digits. How is that the best team in the AFC? It just doesn't. It doesn't feel right. But again, if I'm betting on one of these quarterbacks right now, it's Baltimore. I still trust Josh Allen, but we just haven't seen because this is now two weeks in a row from Buffalo. I don't feel great about him. And then Minnesota on the other side, Minnesota somehow is actually still in like the playoff conversation because that seven seed, those two wild card spots or those three wild card spots, assuming one of them will probably go to you know LA or, or the, the Cardinals, right? Whichever one of those two teams doesn't get it. So now we're talking about two wild card spots for New Orleans, Atlanta. Atlanta's the seven seed right now. If the playoffs started oh, right now, the Falcons God. would be in the playoffs. I want to see uh, Q making. Playoff kicks, right? That's what I want. Car- Carolina is at three and five. They're still in the playoff conversation. Seattle, they're getting Russell Wilson back uh, after his doctor jerked him off on social media today, saying he'd never seen anybody have as catastrophic of a finger injury in the NFL, and no one has uh, subsequently known has ever recovered as quickly. You know all this Russell Wilson pop- <laughs> propaganda, um, but Minnesota's still in this conversation. And what's wild is, like, I don't see a huge difference between, like, the Ravens and Minnesota in, in terms of, like, faith. Like, how much faith do you have in them? But one plays in the NFC, which is loaded. The other one plays in the AFC, and 
I guess you got to lean, you know, and say Baltimore's favorite. Who would be who would be y'all's favorite to come out of the AFC right now? I, I think still Buffalo, um, which I don't know why. I think I believe that they will get it together and they have the roster. But in terms of if, if like the playoffs were today mm-hmm. and I had to pick, man, I, I honestly, I know this is crazy. I, I'm, oh, shit, man. I think I might go Cleveland, which is the most wild thing. I just think we saw them, they we saw them play a great game against, against uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. I believe it, like, again, when it comes down to playoff time, you got to run the ball. They have the best stable of running backs in the NFL. Baker's doing enough in the, in the passing game without OBJ. Like we were mentioning the, the stat that, that we actually just saw all together, which is kind of cool was that with him on the field in the last two seasons, Baker has 12 touchdowns and seven picks. And without him on the field, Baker has 22 touchdowns and four picks. So his QBR goes from a 45 up to a 66 when, when OBJ's off the field. Doesn't make any sense. I don't know why that's the case. I think it makes a decent like, – I was listening to Trent Dilfer today talk about this, and he says, like, if you have a, st- a stud wide receiver in terms of talent, having that guy on your team, if he buys into his role – is a good thing, right? Like think of Odell Beckham as like Russell Westbrook, right? Like Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. is is good when he can put up 25 to 30 shots in a game and control every aspect of it and gets a ton of shots, gets a ton of reps, right? What Russell Westbrook isn't good at is can you be efficient? Can you still make a difference when you only get 10 shots in the game? And for Odell, it's can you still be effective and efficient if you're only yeah. getting – four or five targets in a game. Yeah. Can you go three for 60 and a touchdown without exactly. Exactly. And not to mention in between that block for about 20 to 30 running plays, like, yeah, you have to block in this offense Mm -hmm. as a receiver, which Landry does extremely well. And I'm not saying Beckham doesn't, but you're right. The effort put in, in between is, is a lot. Yeah. I mean, and look, Jarvis Landry is a good example because when Jarvis Landry was in Miami, he was a high volume guy. Remember he led the league in catches one year. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to Cleveland and starts to become more of a winning player because he's he bought into that idea. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm still probably going to lead the team in targets, you know, pre-OBJ. But he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to catch 120 balls like he did when he was in Miami. And I think that I think that matters. I think that's a big part of where Odell Beckham Jr. is at right now. And it's also, as we talked about in the last pod, his mentality of I'm still that top guy. I'm still that top dog. But the contested catches numbers, like a lot of his higher, you know, deeper cut kind of stats, they don't look great for him right now. And he needs to accept this new role. And I don't know what team's going to sign him. Uh, he was he's put on waivers today. So we'll find out by Tuesday afternoon where he ended up. But yeah, I don't know. Before we move on to that game, because that is the next game I want to get into. Yeah. Who's your pick to come out of the, uh, the AFC right now, Scotty? Uh, I'm going to stick with Buffalo. I just think, uh, you know, Cincinnati is is good. but. And I've been riding, riding them uh, a lot on this podcast, but uh, it did not look very good on, no. uh, on Sunday. And I think uh, despite Buffalo's uh, shortcomings against uh, one of the worst teams in the NFL this past week, I think that they're the most, still the most complete team. Uh, now, I will say if Kansas City's defense plays every game, including every playoff game like they did against the Packers, you can forget about it because – that team is really, really good if that defense plays like that every game. But I don't think they will. I think the Bills are the most complete team uh, up and down uh, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I, I, roster construction-wise, I, I do agree with you on that. I will say this. I think Tennessee ends the season as the one seed. 
Do you really? I do. I, I think Baltimore has two. I mean, because Baltimore still has to play Cleveland again. They still have to play Cincy again. They have to play uh, Pittsburgh, I think, twice. So Baltimore still has some games they're going to lose on their schedule. But you Boston just look Patriots. You just look at the rest of that Tennessee schedule. And at seven wins through nine weeks of the season, I, I don't think they'll be the best team. I don't think they'll be the team that, you know, takes it all the way to the Super Bowl. But I do think they'll probably finish the season as the, the number one seed in the AFC. Um, the Cleveland-Cincinnati game. Cleveland looked awesome. The defense looked fantastic. Uh, Nick Chubb coming back, looking really healthy. That, that like, what was it, 65-yard touchdown run he had <laughs> yeah. was sick. I mean, the burst he got when he, there was a point there where there were two uh, Cincinnati defenders kind of closing in on him. It was one cut. It was one lane. And he put on the freaking afterburners, man. It was like when you're driving like Mario Kart and you hit like a, a mushroom and all of a sudden <laughs> you're just like, and you just take off. Like, he just, it, he hit this extra gear and he was gone. Uh, the touchdown pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, it was a great throw. And that's the stuff that you get with Baker when he's not being worried about, hey, I got to get Odell this many touches or even just the locker room presence. Like, you know, there was a lot of that back and forth in, in the media right now about people being like uh, uh, receivers, like Donovan Peoples-Jones, a couple of the other wide receivers in that room for, for Cleveland saying like all of those reports that the team was frustrated with Odell, the locker room and stuff was false and that they loved Odell. And I have no doubt that they did. I have no doubt that that's true, but I do think that there's a certain aura. There's a certain presence that happens when a guy like that comes there and doesn't buy into what he's doing. It was clear he was unhappy. And now Baker could just go out there and it's equal opportunity, right? It's not worrying about, Hey, get his, but also try to do this. It's, it's just, it's one less thought that's in Baker Mayfield's brain when he has three seconds to get the ball out. I, I think what it really does too is it just it allows other guys to get on the field. Like I, OBJ is a great talent, and everyone knows that. I think Donovan Peoples Jones is actually as talented as he is. He doesn't have an amazing catch that he'll be known for forever. But you talk about just talent in terms of size, speed, his ability to catch, get open. Donovan Peoples Jones is super talented. Mm-hmm. I've been on his case all year in terms of like rotting him, saying he's going to be elite. I think this guy is going to be a star in the NFL. Really? I really do. I'm excited to see him get his opportunity, and I think he lines up out wide for Cleveland for years to come. I like Donovan Peoples-Jones a lot, and I'll throw one other name out there. When Odell went down last year, Rashard Higgins was Mm -hmm. the guy that they carried throughout the postseason. Rashard Higgins was having nine, ten catch games like on the regular, and now we're looking at, you know, Rashad Higgins is going to get more reps, more opportunities. Donovan Peoples-Jones obviously took a step, and they drafted the kid out of Auburn last year, Anthony Schwartz, who is an all-state uh, Alabama track guy. You know, so you're talking about just a pure deep threat, kind of the Scotty Miller, not you, Scotty, but the Scotty Miller <laughs> in, in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, just the, a burner there on the outside. Um, and then Cincinnati on the side, as you were alluding to there, Scott, like since he, after what was such a promising start, and that's why, like, I was so like I was trying to pump the brakes so hard because that I couldn't get that Jacksonville Thursday night game out of my head. You know, there, there were just moments with that team in the in Cincinnati where I was just like, they're just not quite there. They're getting there, but they're not quite there. And if it wasn't for, you know, the pick six to Denzel Ward, right? A couple of mistakes here. That game's closer than it was because the first half felt closer than what it looked like. But the second they got Nick Chubb going, and remember too, Cleveland's getting Kareem Hunt back. Which is why, like, you're taking that Cleveland might be the most dangerous team in the AFC. Like, I actually think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I think that's a good take. Yeah. Uh, unlike you, I, I I live life in the fast lane. I don't pump the brakes. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'm still high on this Cleveland team, even though it's as bad as they played in uh, – to your Cincy point, team. Uh, yeah, sorry, Cincy. Oh, 
Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> um, no, to, to your point too, about, you know, getting targets to OBJ for, for Cleveland uh, when he was there, I think what you're seeing is Joe Burrow get a little too reliant now on Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And so teams are starting to figure that out and shut him down. I mean, he had 13 targets and six catches. Um, that's, Compared to like, and then you look at the other wide receivers that are yeah, on that Higgins list, right? I mean, six for eight. And, uh, Mixon had a couple out of the backfield. Uh, I mean, Tyler Boyd only gets two. Ghost of himself, yeah. Yeah. After having a big week the week before, so I don't know what's going on uh, with that wide receiving core, but I think they're getting a little too, or at least Joe Burrow's getting a little too reliant on. Uh, on he just didn't have a good game. I mean, after the penalty to throw the pick six, and then, I mean, Jamar had the fumble. Yeah. And, and the but team they just lost. Like, even the running game didn't look. No, Mixon didn't have, like, a, even the line. It, clearly, this this Cleveland team teed off on him and really had him running from, from the get-go. Yeah. So and I, I think you got to give it win. You got to give – to me, it's the defense. Like, the secondary of Cleveland, John Johnson – you know, he had his best game as a Brown. Uh, the, the pass rush, I mean, they were all over Joe Burrow the whole game. Jadavion Clowney was, was a wrecking ball out there. They're getting pressure from, from all sides of it. And I think we were – I think we started the season undervaluing what Cincinnati's offensive line was. And now that we're – and then it kind of got to the point. It's like, hey, they're actually playing a lot better than we thought. But if you look at the teams that they had played up until now, at least up until those points, they hadn't really played a dominant pass rush. And now I think it's kind of, you know, what, what's the thing of the law of averages, right? Eventually everything kind of comes back to the middle. I, I think that's kind of what we saw here where we over, we were too harsh on the Cincinnati O-line coming into the season. And then we went too far in the opposite direction. And now we're kind of settling in it. And to me that they're a good team. They're not a great team. Uh, they could be a fringe playoff contender still. Um, but that, that middle pack for the AFC is just so tight. And it's like, I don't really know who's going to come out because no one's separating themselves for the top, but like the AFC West is all these teams that are right around it. So uh, it's interesting there. Um, the rest of the one o'clock games, not a, not a whole lot of great stuff in there. Uh, I don't think we need to talk at all about Houston and Miami. That game was just <laughs> ugly. Um, other than I felt way worse about my, I took Miami to cover the six points or six and a half in that one. And then I saw, you know, Sunday morning to a tongue of a load, not playing. Them. Yeah. Fuck they me. are who we thought they were. But then Jacoby Brissett comes in and gets the cover anyway. So, yeah. you know, our boy Jacoby, you know, every once in a while he can, he can do some, some good things, but yeah, that was just an ugly game. Terod Taylor, not the answer. Unfortunately. No, he needs uh, a couple games back. Clearly that yeah. it, it was not good. And uh, luckily for Eagles fans, Jacksonville also won. So, you know, they still – Jacksonville still has the tiebreaker over Miami from when they beat them in London. And so even though they both have the same amount of wins right now, uh, Jacksonville is a step ahead of them, which is very good for Eagles fans. So that right now I think the Eagles would have the third overall pick and then whatever their pick is, which I think is probably like nine, and then the Colts, which are like 15. So that's all the only reason I gave a shit about that game. <laughs> uh, Atlanta and New Orleans um, – the Saints are not good without a quarterback. And Trevor Simeon, I, uh, I, looking back on this, all three of us taking New Orleans was a really dumb decision. Um, and, and Vito, you can see there's our – there's the, oh, the other there's pad. So many Nola, scratches. and then you wanted Atlanta, and then I scratched out again and gave you Nola. Uh, I don't know why I didn't think that Atlanta would, would win this game, getting six points, at least covering that spread, but then they obviously go and win at the end. But well, I think what we're seeing now is like, all right, well, Trevor Simeon clearly isn't the option. I think New Orleans is, is kind of screwed because right now yeah. they're the they're the uh, sixth seed in the playoffs. New Orleans is. And 
Taysom Hill is, is like, all right, like there's no other option unless Ian Book comes in here because you can't go with Trevor Simeon again after what we saw. So they're just going to be Navy for the rest of like, I don't know what they do. They don't have any good <laughs> wide receivers. They have Kamara and Taysom Hill, and it's just going to be those two guys. And their defense is still good. But I, I will say this, Atlanta looked good moving the ball against a really good defense. And they're doing this without Calvin Ridley still. Cordell Patter, like Matt Ryan had played really, really well in this game. I'm, I'm going to pull up his stat line here because Matt Ryan ended up having like a really nice day. Uh, he goes 23 of 30 for 340 yards and two touchdowns. What a monster day yeah, for Matt Ryan. twice. I mean, that's crazy. And so many people were talking about him like he was completely over the hill. And I never bought into that, especially the way quarterbacks are protected now. He still has good arm strength. But what I found, too, is he threw a lot of those, those big looping, you know, rainbow kind of balls that weren't necessarily deep shots, but 25, 35 yards down the field in these kind of mid to deep range. And every single time he throws it, I'm like, man, he aired that out. But no, he just drops it in like his accuracy and those throws which is perfect for a guy like Kyle Pitts he hit uh, Cordero Patterson twice on wheel routes on that as well uh, and our my man Zucchini ended up with two touchdown catches so uh <laughs> it's just a, just a, an interesting day I and mean, Cordell Patterson just keeps it up six catches 126 yards I don't know what's in the water there that I don't get it resurrected that oh but, we uh, know it's at the swamp in New Orleans, <laughs> he's down there. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, him he, and Swamp he, Man. Yeah, he went down in New Orleans. Like, I'm going to go off. That's exactly <laughs> what he was thinking. But no, I, I I really was impressed with Atlanta. Um, I was impressed with their overall team approach. Like they, this is a good team win for them. Yes, the the I know. I mean, New Orleans scored 25, and they honestly shouldn't have. But I think the good thing to look at if you're in New Orleans, I know, I know there's a lot of negativity going out in New Orleans right now. But the number one thing you have is you have a good defense. You just can't turn the ball over, and you should be able to get some wins here. Now, yes, Atlanta moved the ball on them pretty well. What I'm really interested to see how they adjust coming down the stretch is they know people are going to just load the box, load the box. How are you going to compete against that? You're saying about Navy. I would love to see Sean Payton just be like, you know what? Screw it. We're just triple. We're option literally going to do the triple option and have Taysom Hill line up under center. Chop blocks. Fullback, two Cuts. wing backs. I oh, want to yeah. see a yeah. I want to see a, a wing eye. Let's go it. all in. Yeah, yeah. It's, so uh, I mean, Trevor Simeon. All things considered, like it, it's one of those classic. If you look at the stats, you're like, that's not that bad of a day, right? Twenty five of forty one for two fifty, two touchdowns, no interceptions. His average depth of target was six point one. 6.1 yards. That was the problem. It was always – And that's like, – it's just all – was right here. It's all dink and dunk. And that's what you're going to get with a backup quarterback. Like, there's very few backup quarterbacks who have a dick the size of Nick Foles who aren't afraid to throw it deep, you know? Like – Yeah. Like, and that's – like, obviously I'm making a joke there, but, like, Nick Foles was, wasn't afraid to take those shots. And I think you almost – like, your backup quarterback, if it's a short-term injury, you kind of want your backup to play it safe, right, and try to manage the game. But if it's like, hey, we lost our starting quarterback for the season – you want him to have a little bit of gunslinger in him. You want him to be kind of unafraid. You're not getting that with Trevor Simeon. I don't know no. what you're going to get out of Taysom Hill. Um, but their defense is going to keep them in games, yeah. and that's kind of, I guess, the last the, the last hope for, Who would you for start? Saints fans. Who would you start? I would start Taysom. He was a top would, five quarterback I would when he came Simeon. in last year. I would start Simeon 100%. I would, I would start Taysom Hill. Yeah. I wouldn't like it. 
Um, because yeah, statistically he put up numbers, but they also went two and two in his four starts and lost to a terrible Eagles team and got blown out by a terrible. And, and his worst of those games was against Denver when they had a uh, practice squad wide receiver playing quarterback. Yeah, and Denver. that was the other win that they had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They beat Denver with Kendall no Kendall Hinton playing quarterback. Right, like he caught a touchdown this week. Yes, he did. He's been great. He's been a great he's little a, gadget he's wide played receiver. Really them, well. Man. Yeah, good for him. Earned his spot. Uh, the last game of the one o'clock window: Raiders, Giants. Uh, the Raiders, I think, it, it felt like you could just sense it on the team. Like this team felt tired, right? There wasn't a lot of juice offensively. They could actually, they were doing a better job running the ball than I thought they were because I think the Giants were selling out so hard in in, in the secondary and the pass defense. Um, Josh Jacobs had a couple of nice. I like finished thirteen carries to seventy six yards, um, but Derek Carr was off. This was Derek Carr's first really like bad game of the year. Two interceptions, uh, not not a good day for Derek Carr, uh, and uh, and the defense, the Giants. I mean, this was a, a relatively low scoring game, like twenty three sixteen. The Giants' D, uh, offense did enough. Danny Dimes, it's amazing. And I, so as good. I, as an <laughs> as an NFC East fan, I really 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 want the Giants to extend Danny Jones, Danny Dimes, because Daniel Jones <laughs> is not a good quarterback. He's not. But after every win that Daniel Jones does, like a gritty win like this, Giants fans love the guy. They're like, oh, my God, yes. They, we almost beat the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. And then we come around, we beat the Raiders, right? Both those teams are – you know, it's like talk yourself into it, man. Do it. Yeah. Better you than me because, to me, Danny Dimes isn't the answer. Um, but it, the Giants are just a weird team. The Giants and the Eagles, to me, feel like very comparable teams where you have a mobile quarterback who's going to be able to pick up stuff and make plays happen. The defense can play good in some games. And for the most part, they're probably not going to play that well. Uh, And at the end of the day, you'll get a couple of wins that they shouldn't have. And then there'll be some other games where it's very clear, like they don't like they're not a good team and and they just feel, but they're both kind of frisky, you know, they're both out there competing. So to to me, they're just like, I know we make this joke all the time, but the Spider-Man, you know, they're, they're the guy pointing at you. They're the same person. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on the Giants or the the Raiders here? No, I think the honestly, I think this is one. I, I want to see how the Raiders come back to this. Like after this game, they've had a lot going on. I want to see what they do after this game. They just, I mean, they couldn't even really move the ball. They didn't look like themselves at all. No, and their defense looked for as good as they played all year. They look like they've kind of come back to earth a little bit. And their passing offense just looked totally anemic. They yeah. Couldn't well, they and they just signed Deshaun Jackson, so there's your burner to replace Henry Ruggs. But Deshaun Jackson's also like 34, so and he'll get hurt. He'll have one deep, one big catch, and he'll get hurt. Yeah, hurt um, it was nice to see. I guess if there was one bright spot, it felt like Darren Waller went from having this monster start of the season to we hadn't heard from him in like a month, and he had a pretty good game: seven catches for 92, 11 targets, but. When when he's the only guy that they felt comfortable, and obviously Hunter Renfro is going to get his catches too, but I mean seven catches for forty nine yards. He's not stretching the field for you. He might he's good on third downs, but he's obviously not a number one receiver. He's going to play out of the slot the whole time, so you need somebody else there. Uh, yeah, they, it feels like they're just kind of they're just missing a piece, and um, obviously the Henry Ruggs thing, like fuck that guy, and uh, you know he's he's going to be taken to um, where he needs to, um, which is not playing professional football. But they, uh, the sad part about it from a football perspective is just that because obviously it's much sadder the outcomes of all, of all that. But he was actually playing pretty well for them this year, yeah. and he added a, a piece to that offense that um, they hadn't seen. The one interesting thing here with the Raiders, 
in the last uh, two years, they've had six picks in the first two days of the NFL, the first and second rounds. And now only one is still on the roster. Only one guy is still on the roster right now, which uh, is sad. And I lied. There actually is one more one o'clock game. The Pats and the Panthers. The Pats are a good football team. They're just a good football team all the way around. And Mac Jones is perfect for what they do offensively and what they've been doing offensively. Uh, they have three or four different guys who I've seen break off big runs. You know, again, like that's what I, whenever I tell people like the running back by committee thing, like look at what New England does. They have a fourth rounder. They have Damian Harris. Who I think they drafted in the third round. And then it's like unsigned free agents and like undrafted free agents and all these other guys that come in. And, and look, it's obviously easier said than done to go find guys who can be good NFL running backs, but it can be done. And they will never invest serious assets in bringing in a, a high price running back because they know they can just get production from guys that they find and they'll figure out ways to get it going. It's been really interesting to see the makeup of their team, like you're saying. When we were all talking on draft night, right? It was, I can't believe Mac Jones fell to them. Of yeah. course, they get their guy. They didn't have to trade up. It was always, where are they going to trade up? They didn't have to. They got him. And then earlier on in the season, it was like, oh, I don't know. We'll see what happens here. And, and he had a couple of bad games. This team, without a doubt, is turning a corner. They're looking like a team. It's almost like they have a pretty good coach. <laughs> Seems to be coaching them well. And mm, they're getting stronger and stronger and you know, forming their identity as the season goes along. And that's what we look for when you look at playoff teams, especially uh, people in that teams that end up in the five, six, seven slot seeds, you're right, at the end of the season that are going to upset a team that won their division and make a little run. And, and we'll see what happens with the AFC East because the Bills should still be the favorite and probably are, but New England's right there. They're knocking on the door. I mean, they're only a game apart from each other. Right. Bills are five and three and New England's what, four and five and four. So it's a half game difference right now. And they still have to play each other twice. And they're undefeated on the road. Yeah. I, the Patriots. And we, <laughs> we get a great game next week. New England uh, is hosting Cleveland. Ooh, like so that's going to be a fun game uh, mac jones i uh i'm just I, I grow more and more impressed by him and not necessarily from like oh my god what a throw he's picking apart the defense it's just it's the maturity and the level of understanding of what his role is in that offense and being a leader while still mm -hmm. knowing he can't do too much and like that level of understanding from a guy where it's like, hey, you were just the 15th pick in the NFL draft. You like, you have the confidence of like, I'm Trevor Lawrence or I'm Zach Wilson. I'm going to go run around and sling the ball. He's just like, no, like, what's my job? I'm going to go out there and do my job. And it's not going to be gaudy numbers. But doing that, he has been the best rookie yeah. quarterback we've had all year. And if it wasn't for Justin Herbert doing what he did last year, I'd say he's one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. Long time. And it's the perfect storm for Mac Jones of like – uh Hey, now all of a sudden the, the Patriots are three deep on guys who can run the ball inside and kind of open stuff mm -hmm. up for Mac Jones, mm -hmm. which is something we haven't seen in a long time. Luckily, they had a guy by the name of uh, Thomas uh, uh, Brady. That's the guy who could, uh, <laughs> who could just sling the ball all over the pitch. Um, and, uh, and they didn't need to worry about running the ball to open things up. But hey, that's but, a good point. I mean, I'll say this there have been a lot of great Patriot quarterbacks. Tom Brady didn't start his rookie year. Yeah, all right. So, true. so we'll see what happens. Mac Jones shattering <laughs> all of Tom Brady's rookie year numbers, destroying all. Of when you said Thomas there for a second, I was like, wait, because yeah, <laughs> you just never hear Thomas Brady um, as we see Tom Brady pop up on our uh, on, on the TV here. Uh, yeah. And then Carolina, I mean, yikes, Sam Darnold. 
Um, yeah, they get Christian McCaffrey back. Didn't seem to matter. And I, I really thought I, I expected more. I, I, and maybe it was just the fool's goal to the first, you know, starting off three and oh, and then, but when I saw the Eagles come back and win that game and, and Sam Darnold struggle, I was like, with how vanilla the Eagles defense is in the second and especially passing defense. I was like, wow. Like the, especially the more I'm seeing the Eagles defense play, I'm like, wow, Sam Darnold, he's uh, not good. And that's a great transition because the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and the Chargers played actually what was a relatively entertaining game. I think if you're not uh, a fan of the Eagles um, and the chart, it was great to see Justin Herbert bounce back, right? He's a guy that I think we all are big fans of. And I think most people are rooting for, uh, but even still, you know, his, he was, yeah, let's pull up his box stat numbers. Cause honestly it was as, as good and pretty of a game as I've ever seen a court. Like the stat line is absurd. 32 of 38, 356 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. And, and like what was crazy That's about it too, insane. the Eagles defense is so freaking bland. Like the Eagles defense makes salt team seem like too spicy. <laughs> like have you ever gone, have you ever gone what? to like a Buffalo wild wings or like a wing place and they have like the hot wing challenge. You have to sign the waiver. Like, yeah, whatever the enthusiasm is, the like, medium, yeah, yes, yeah, right. Like, the Eagles are so are so bad defensively, they cannot scheme. That's anything. A good challenge. Could you imagine going and eating like 20 wings with nothing on it at all? No sauce. The Eagles no are naked spice. wings, yes, yeah. That it's the naked wing challenge, is what the Eagles are. You're just watch. full, yeah. It's, it's ironic just... for a, a team named after birds, yes. <laughs> They are the defensively this year, and it's it sucked because the Eagles actually offensively played. I think the best game they've played all year. Uh, I know, I know they moved they, the ball. They moved. They did really well. Jalen Hurts had a really solid day. They didn't ask him to do a whole bunch, but they moved the ball. And he had a Devontae Smith had his best game as a pro. It was a five catches for a buck sixteen and a great touchdown catch at the end. Um, and, and he finally started actually attack, especially in the fourth quarter. Was willing to attack the middle of the field. We saw things out of Jalen that we hadn't seen yet. And he was throwing the ball out of the pocket more than I've seen him do all season long. And that's with Joey Bosa coming down your neck too. Like that's with Melvin Ingram on the other side of the ball. Uh, This was the best and most complete performance by the offense and the defense. They made a couple of big stops, but I was saying this to Ryan, he and I were watching the game yesterday. Like that game easily could have been a three touchdown game for the Chargers. But Brandon Staley being the, I'm going to go forward on fourth down every single time. It keeps the D, like, I'll say this. It is no fun watching your team play the Chargers. Because every time your defense gets a stop on third down, you go, fuck, man, they're going to go forward on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Like, they, that immediate thought drops into your brain. So now you're like, all right, can they stop them on fourth? And the Eagles had an awesome goal line stand. Uh, they had another awesome red zone stand on fourth down. Like they made a couple of really big plays on fourth down, but if those were field goals, if those are anything else, like three, three stops on fourth down, fourth and one, fourth and one on a fourth and two as well. Like those are big, but they were inches away from this being an absolute blowout. So yes, it, like on paper, it looked like a good game, but it, it wasn't, this was one-sided. If you watch the game, it felt entirely like it was in the Chargers court, but it was nice to see the Eagles move the ball pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, particularly running. I mean, Jordan Howard looks like looks great, an absolute monster. <laughs> I never understood his first. They pulled up the set. His first three years in the league, thirty three hundred and forty yards, and then he goes to Philly, and he had five hundred and fifty yards, and he got hurt, and then he's just like, just never heard from him again. 
Yeah, he's a guy I forgot about. Yeah. You know what? Because running backs rarely have a second wind, especially yeah. running backs like that. And, and at that age, right? Like when you get to the old 26, 27, and you, you get to the backup role, you're like, okay. And then now all of a sudden he gets the, the ball and he's getting the line share. And it's like, oh, maybe, maybe this guy could still yeah. do it. I mean, he's been bouncing around practice squads like crazy. He was bouncing around on Miami's practice squad, played a little bit in Miami. He's been on and off the Eagles practice squad for the you know majority of the last three years. I just, I didn't get it. I'm like, I just, this guy's clearly still productive, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if there's one thing that we've, we've learned here is that the, the rushing defense of the chargers is still a big problem. And I think that's mm-hmm. the thing that's going to hold them back. Cause what happens when they go up against the Ravens, we saw it happen earlier this year and the Ravens absolutely demolished them. So as much as I do like <sighs> Delvin next week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so and then Najee the week after, <laughs> oh boy. and and then the two-headed monster of of Javante Williams and and Melvin Gordon, uh, going the third. I don't know why I forgot what the uh, the suffix was there, um, but yeah, all right. So that I mean that's guy. Okay. Any other thoughts here? Things that jumped out from the, the Eagles and the Chargers? Not really. Go Birds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Green Bay, Kansas City. Man, oh baby. wow, what <laughs> what a dog shit football game! Yeah, this was. That's exactly the um, Patrick Mahomes. I said it on on Friday. He has the yips, and I've heard other people say this now on podcast stuff, and I feel vindicated again because I, I feel like I was the first one that at least that I heard. I had never heard someone say it at this point. Now I've heard it multiple times. There's just uh, it feels like a lack of confidence in him and, and what he's seeing on throws that we've seen him make time after time. I've not seen him complete a deep ball in a long – I don't know about you. Like, when's the last time you feel like you saw Patrick Mahomes complete a deep ball? Because he hasn't thrown a deep touchdown to Tyreek Hill all year. No, he had the one bomb. No, he had the, the, the – yeah, yeah he had, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but still, you're right. Are used to at least once a week, you're used to seeing him move around a little bit and sling it at an angle that's ridiculous, but not like these – right now he's slinging it like sideways, whatever, but he's used to at least slinging it down a couple times. And – there's been this whole push recently of everyone's talking about the two high safeties and how that's been stopping everybody. It's stopping the Bills, it's stopping the homes, it's stopping everyone. Listen, there, there are ways to also attack two high safeties and passing route combos. It's yeah. not just wait back and, and sit there. Like, no, so Mahomes has been doing this for three years. To yeah. think that no yeah. team was like, oh, let's try two deep safety. Yeah. No, it's like it's, they, yeah. teams have been doing this yeah, for a while. It's not like they just like – my favorite thing in sports is always like, they figured him out. It's like, okay, or is he just having a slump and playing poorly against like – a certain style of defense is he getting frustrated. Maybe is Kelsey not getting the separation? Or are they using him in a different way? I, I don't know, but I can tell you this. There is no reason that Kelsey and Tyreek should ever be stopped for more than two quarters combined. And I don't know what is going on because that's what it really is. And I don't know if it's, it's Mahomes rolling out him running him getting pressure. I don't know what no, the, the actual, it's the, it's the opposite. Is. I think actually is because He's not getting pressure. He was one of the best quarterbacks on the run for the three years that that they were going to the AFC Championships and Super Bowls. And now teams are just dropping that extra guy. They're covering Kelsey up, and and the two high safeties are taking care of the guys on the outside. And Mahomes is sitting there going like, staring, and he's like, oh shit, nothing's open. Well, and remember too, there was a whole push for like, because he was doing so much on the run yeah. that he was he him and Lamar both I feel like the last two training camps have said like I've been working doing my like staying in the pocket and working because like he's like I'm not gonna be able to do this forever I want to be more like Brady and have that element of my game and I feel like now he's kind of caught in this like no man's land where receivers aren't getting open McCall Hardman has been terrible this year um, and I know Sammy Watkins like was in and out of the lineup there 
Like I saw some guys saying like Sammy Watkins, like since he left, he's the whole, I mean, Sammy Watkins is not that good. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. Like, come on. Like, like yeah. Sammy Watkins was it. <laughs> having a third piece there was important. But we also can't, we can't forget the first time they, they went to the AFC championship game. Remember who their running back was? It was Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And Kareem Hunt had like, 1500 yards oh, that he was year. incredible right absolutely incredible and then they were able to piecemeal some guys together with damian williams and uh who else did they have in that backfield when they won the playoff super bowl damian. playoff damian right <laughs> like they, they always had like at least a couple of guys running in obviously not having clyde edwards elair has hurt but he's also not been who they thought he was when they drafted him out of lsu honestly he's the only guy from that lsu team that's been that 2019 team that's been kind of a disappointment yeah. And Mahomes, for as again, as good as we see the talent, there's some things of the way he's falling off of throws. It, some of the me- just mechanic stuff, it just feels like stuff. It's just all loose, right? Like everything about the Chiefs offense feels loose. The, the routes, like when I single in and watch Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey isn't running. He's not getting open the way we're, we've seen before. And I think Kelsey taking a bit of a dive, even though he ended up having a pretty good game, right? What did he finish with? Five, five, for, five for 68, and he had the one touchdown, right? But when that happens, and obviously McCall Hardman's not a threat, uh, and Demarcus Robinson isn't a threat, and God, I forgot they have Josh Gordon too. Um, like when there's no one else there, right, then it's like, okay, well, let's just make sure we, we keep two guys. We always know what Tyree Kill's doing at all time. We can try to stop that and slow him down. And then what's Mahomes going to do? And it felt like he was doing the Carson Wentz thing, which is like, I'm just going to throw it deep and hope for pass interference. Like every deep ball I've seen him throw in the last three weeks has not even been close to being caught. And there's nothing in the mid range. The short passes is the Manning cast did a really good job of explaining last week. He's, he's not confident in getting the ball. out. It, it feels a little bit like the yips. It really does. And uh, I, I, for all of our sakes, I hope, we see him kind of bounce back because it, it kind of feels like, I don't know, like Christian Yelich in baseball, right? Like Christian Yelich like takes the world over, wins the MVP, like clearly one of the two best pace players in baseball. And since he won the MVP, he's been average, mm-hmm. you know, he hasn't even been an all-star. And it, like right now, Mahomes isn't a pro bowler this year. If, no, we're, no, if we're about it, he's, close. you know, I mean, and if you're just looking statistically, he's, probably in the, the top 10 uh, I mean, as quarterbacks but even still I like i don't even think that Jeff. I, mean, I don't feel confident saying that he's definitely not i mean just taking this from a divisional standpoint in the afc west he's not the best i think herbert is and there's an argument to be made that he's not the second best because Derek carr's been slinging it mm-hmm. like he could be literally not even in the top half of quarterbacks in his division and considering how much he's turned the ball over there's also an argument that you'd almost rather Roger. have teddy bridgewater here <laughs> Um, not saying well, that I would, not saying I, that I would, I'll but make that trade any day, please, <laughs> Kansas City, call our off. I think at some point they'll figure it out. I trust Andy Reid too. Yeah. Um, and then on the Green Bay side, uh, Jordan Love, not great, Bob, not great, Bob, <laughs> probably not, probably not the guy, at least not right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll say this there was a lot of like, I felt good about like, it seemed like he was comfortable in the moment. Right. Like he, yeah. he wasn't good. He just and, and the Kansas mistakes. City pass rush was was actually really, really impressive in this game. Uh, they really didn't get the run going all that much, though. They did run for a buck twenty two uh, missing two field goals. You know, I, like if you don't get the one blocked and if the laces are, are, are out on the yeah. first one, you know, this could have been a tie game. Who knows? Right. Um, because just in the two missed kicks alone, that would have made it 13, 13. But uh, shout out to Jordan Love. Getting into Alan Lazard, the backdoor cover there was huge. 
because uh, at that point, the Kansas City seven and a half line didn't look great, but they did it, came back covered, and, and we're all happy except for Vita, who no, no, took Kansas City. Um, <laughs> Arizona, San Francisco, really impressive win for the Cardinals. Uh, the Niners aren't looking great, Scotty. We stink. I mean, they are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're terrible. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Okay. I don't understand how you how you can go from just like one of the greatest offensive minds in football in Kyle Shanahan to, uh, and by the way, this isn't with a whole lot of different personnel. Like I think Elijah Mitchell is as good or better as Raheem Mostert, for example, mm-hmm. uh, as a running back, right? Um, you still have Debo, you still have Brandon Ayuk, and, and uh, that touchdown that Ayuk had, by the way, I was like, Oh, imagine that Kyle, uh, Brandon Ayuk's a pretty damn good football player. Yeah. But um, Ayuk had been really bad this year before, <laughs> even in the opportunities he's had to play. He's muffed multiple punts. He's had several drops. Like, Ayuka hasn't been good. This was more of like, oh, Ayuk has finally seemed to get his shit together in this yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, I, and and I, so I don't know what's going on on offense. Jimmy G looked like the best player on offense for the last, like, three games. Yeah, which Jimmy is, G played pretty well. Which is electric. I picked him up on fantasy this week. And beat I, know, I know you did. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it was a sympathy loss. But, no, it's uh, – yeah, you're probably right. I go as the Jaguars go. I've won every week that they, uh, that the Jaguars. There you go. So, um, <laughs> go Jags. Uh, no, uh, look, I don't, I don't understand what's going you know, on. You got a fumble and lost a fumble in this it, game too. If it's too, yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, getting George Kittle was back good. was nice. Kittle back was great. The defense <laughs> looks awful. The offensive line yeah. looks awful. Like those two things. McGlinchey's done for the year McGlinchey's too. McGlinchey's out for the year with the torn quad. Uh, but even that, like Trent Williams got dominant. And Trent Williams has been one of the best offensive tackles in the league mm-hmm. over the past decade. And he got absolutely dominated this game yeah. by uh, – it, it was J.J. Watt's backup. Um, so I don't know what's going on. And and kudos to, to Cliff Kingsbury coaching up because we got beat by Colt McCoy and James Conner. Like that that was the uh, – James Conner's been good man. though, man. Yeah. Like he has – What, three touchdowns? Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? I've always – this is going to sound kind of wild – I think Colt McCoy is a pretty good backup. He's lasted a oh, long yeah. time. He's a great backup. Like I, we always, me and uh, me and Nick Alcantara, we, we always joke around about how Colt McCoy is like legitimately the most exciting. Remember you were saying like, if you have someone out for a while, you want someone who's going to push it. Mm-hmm. Colt McCoy is one of the most exciting backups you can have in the NFL. hundred percent. Like he has the talent. He's led his team. He's been dynamic in college. He's had his chances in the NFL. It didn't work out exactly, but he also, I mean, he was in, Cleveland for a while when they were not good. Yeah, at Cleveland, all. Washington, yes. Giants. Um, yeah, I mean, Cole McCoy, if you're going to rank the backups in the NFL, you're not going to get too far down the list before you hit Cole McCoy. Right. I, 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 I but I, to, that being said, and, and I know the Niners looked frustrating, and I think most people watching the game would agree with that. But to me, this game was about Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. You're down your starting quarterback. You're down the best wide receiver in football, or at least one of the top two best wide receivers in football. You're down your second best wide receiver, or at least one of your other weapons yeah. in AJ Green. And a dynamic and, runner. And you, and you lose Chase Edmonds five yeah. minutes into the game, and you still absolutely dominate. Uh, th- this coming out of this makes me feel way better about Arizona. Yeah. But I still don't trust Kyler Murray. And the injury stuff with him, I just don't. I'm always going. I'm going to be hesitant with Kyler Murray and the injury side of him for as long as he's in the league. Because as exciting and awesome as he is, we've never seen him get more than halfway into a season before the injury bug starts coming in. And before it was the shoulder, and then it was you know the ribs and the leg. Now it's the ankles, and it's a dude his size. You know he does a good job of not getting hit, and yet because of his size, when he does get hit, it seems to make a bigger impact on him. 
So, yes, Cole true. McCoy can come in and win a big game. He 22 of 26. It's incredible. Uh, so wow. Not, not only that, that one, but... super high completion percentage. He had three wide receivers averaging over 15 yards a catch. Yeah. All with three or more catches. His top three guys. I mean, including he, James Conner. Yeah, I don't know who this guy Weasley <laughs> is or Wesley, Antoine Wesley. But he just hopped in. He's the one who caught that trick play, that, that oh, awesome yeah. cat throw and catch from Christian Kirk, which yeah, I thought actually thought was a touchdown when I saw it on the field. But, um, yeah, man, I Arizona, good for they're, them, they're doing a lot of good stuff, and, and the Rams losing was uh, was big for them. But, you know, the Rams will get another crack at Arizona in their home, in their place, so we'll get there. Uh, speaking of the Rams, they lost last night. And I think hmm. we all thought, myself included, that I was crazy for taking Tennessee to cover the seven and a half yeah. on Friday. Uh, but it ended up being a right call. It was just a guy followed the gut. I thought they, I, I believed in the team. I didn't think it would be that. I still thought the Rams would win the game, but I thought it would at least be close. There's something about sun, Sunday nights have just gotten weird this year. Every Sunday night game has just been weird. Uh, I, I don't necessarily come away this feeling that much different about either team. You know, I, it was cool seeing Adrian Peterson suit up. I think the Titans are, I think, yeah, and he had touchdown. I think the Titans are a good football team, and I think they've won a lot of games. But remember, they also lost to the Jets with Derrick Henry, too. So that's why it's like, yeah, we can we can talk about the Titans and an awesome win, and they've really looked good since that Jets loss, and maybe that's the start of the Super Bowl video, you know, we was talking about. Like, this was the low point of the season, and then right. go through the whole season of it. Well, but I, I just, I don't, I'm not buying Tennessee as a legitimate Super Bowl contender without Derrick Henry. With Derrick Henry, totally different ball game. I will say I'm really impressed with the defense. The defense has turned a corner and hit a gear I did not think that they would get to, yeah. uh, particularly in the interior defensive line. That guy who had the three sacks last night, uh, I forget his name, but uh, he was he was a monster last night, and he looked more like Aaron Donald than Aaron Donald. Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, yeah Jeffrey Simmons. I don't know. Uh, that wasn't even the one I was thinking of. I know Jeffrey Simmons. I'm trying to think. Uh, Autry, that's his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had a really good game and just <laughs> all over the field. But Jeffrey Simmons had three sacks, I think, in the first quarter and a half. Yeah, it, it, what I couldn't believe. That's right, because they were like, is he going to be the Pro Bowl just in this game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what I couldn't believe is, number one, the pressure that was just totally disrupting the Rams' offense completely. And then this, uh, and not seeing any, like, jet sweeps. We didn't see any Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, like little handoffs, like no. just get spread them wide. Uh, but what I did love that Tennessee did, um, especially on offense, is like just get the ball to your big, tall, good wide receivers and run it. And, and you know, overall, their line played well, even without Taylor Lewan. Yeah, they had some pressure and they had some issues. But considering the defense they were playing, yeah, damn, they played well. Like, yeah. they, like and, and like you said about, Tennessee, there's low point and high point. It almost goes back to what we talked about in college football. Like if if this was college football and we were ranking a playoff teams, four playoff teams to make it into like college football playoff spots, they have this awesome win against the Rams, but they have this loss against the Jets. You just can't it's like the, it's like Oregon, right? Oregon yeah. has this awesome <laughs> win against Ohio State, but then they lost to Stanford. So what yeah. do you do with it? Exactly. And, yeah. and right now, I think that's where they're, they're at. Is there this fringe team that they're going to make the playoffs? I don't think a lot of us have confidence to go far without Henry, but you got to give him credit. And on the Rams side, man, I think everyone still has all the confidence in the world. Uh, at least I do in this team. Yeah. Something has to happen on the offensive side. Defense, even they, they played well enough. Um, and Ramsey just seems like a bat out of hell when he's running around back there. He seems like he was involved in. So well, when he had ways. that pick early in the game, I yeah. thought it was, I thought it was a man, you know, the Rams are going to 
run this thing. But yeah. I'll say this, and, and I think the Tennessee defense is emblematic of who Vrabel is as a coach, right? Where it's like, we may not be as talented, you know, we, we may be going up against an awesome offense, but we're not letting them in the end zone. Yeah. And, you know, every time that the Rams were marching down the field, they crossed the 50, they get up to the 40, the offense just stalled out. And they were actually running the ball really effectively and they kind of gave up on it. It's, it's crazy still. I mean, the Rams still had – Robert Woods had 98 yards. Cooper Stuff still, still had 95. And yet they still ended up coming up short in this game. Um, one last football question for, for you guys before we take a break. Uh, and, and we'll get to our college football stuff and our, our Bud Light Seltzer hashtag not a sponsor um, on uh, at, to wrap up the Which pod could here. Be. Could be. <laughs> what a chance. Um, Who is the MVP? We just crossed the halfway point. We are now officially past the halfway point of the season, going into week 10. Before this week, I would have said Matthew Stafford. I would have said Josh Allen. I would have said Kyler Murray. But I think there's legitimate arguments as to why all three of those guys are not in it right now. I would have said Dak Prescott. I think there's a legitimate case for him not. Right now, Derrick Henry, another one, legitimate case yeah. for him. I don't think there is an MVP to the season right now, which is in, which is a crazy – like I, yeah, I mean, you could make an argument for any one of those people, and there's – any person you suggest, I can make an argument against them. Agree, because I was even thinking Nick Chubb, but he's just been out. So, like, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't have an MVP season – just in history – you can have an MVP season if you miss too many games. That just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Um, or else, honestly, Carson Wentz would have won the one year. And- yeah, <laughs> yeah. So who? So who? Like, who would you pick, Red? Cooper Cup. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's if he he's had a, a still a good game against a, a pretty good defense. Kevin Byer, by the way, if you're going to pick a defensive MVP, uh, he's being safety well. for the yeah, he's been he's been awesome. Yeah, uh, for the Titans. But uh, I'm going to say Cooper Cup because he is close to uh, probably shattering some of uh randy moss's receiving records uh with the extra game uh and he's he's well on pace so uh i don't think they would ever do it but i i think that's an interesting yeah. pace yeah man I, this is really tough i i, I can't pick Jameis. um <laughs> <laughs> i i would i would honestly probably say brady it seems yeah. like the safe pick um which sucks because at the end of the day brady's just the guy who like if there's anyone I need to bet on to just go ahead and finish the season strong and be good running into the playoffs, I'm picking Tom. Um, I think it's – I don't know how many picks he has, but he still has a good touchdown-interception ratio, I'm pretty sure. Um, let's see He's got 25 touchdowns to five interceptions. He's second, in the, second in the league in total passing yards. Uh, and, and he had his bye. Yeah. So, so he's averaging – he's leading the league, averaging 331 yards per game. Yeah, it's so it's funny you say that because that was also the answer for me. Really? Was because if you look at everyone else that's out there, and I think some of those stats are a little juiced because they throw it on the two yard line every single time. <laughs> um, but I think right now, if you had to pick, yeah, I, th- I think I think you have to pick Tom Brady because I mean Kyle uh, Kyler I think is probably the other one of that group I would pick. Yeah. But I think there's again Colt McCoy just came in and ran the offense just as well as he has. <laughs> Uh, and I also don't trust Kyler for the rest of the season. But if you're just going up until now, from what the body of work we've seen right now, before last night, I would have said Matt Stafford. After last night, I'm going to say Tom Brady. So, all right, that's what we got. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk a little college football. And we're going to do what we said we were going to do like a month and a half ago and uh, have failed to do, which is our Bud Light Seltzer Fall Variety Pack Taste Test. So we got all that coming up in just a little bit. Interesting weekend in college football, uh, to 
Scotty's shaking his head already, man. Come on. It was it was not a bad weekend. Like there was a bunch of interesting stuff that happened, right? So Purdue knocks off the second top three team of the year. They knocked off Iowa when I was number two. Now they knocked off Michigan State. David Purdue, Bell had a huge day. Purdue should be in the top six. <laughs> Same. They have two of the best wins in the Big Ten. Two of the best wins in the country. Yeah. Um, and you know, if only someone had said. David Bell would tear up this Michigan State. Man, that would be cool. That, if we had David Bell, like if, if, if only somebody had that thought, <laughs> huh? That was mm. a great call because I got to say, I said better than my take, which was put your money on Michigan State and run. I'm run with sure. it. it was, was what I said. Run with it. Take it all the way to the bank and don't look back. I believe uh, that's a direct quote. Wow. Yeah, I believe word Man. for word. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's one said. of those where uh, I fucked up segments. That was that was. Bad. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I messed that one up. No, I was I was very impressed uh, overall with what we saw out of um, what we saw out of uh, Purdue. And, and look, Michigan State's still a good football team, but I've stayed. I still believe this. I still think Penn State is the second best team in the Big Ten. I think they went, went fully healthy. I think they got screwed with the injuries in the Iowa game. Then obviously Illinois was they just came out flat and didn't do enough to, to win that game. But I don't believe in Michigan as a legit college playoff contender. I've never bought into Michigan State as, despite the fact that I do really like kind of Walker. So that loss wasn't totally surprising. Uh, and then we also saw Wake Forest go down. And again, if somebody had said that it was going to be a shootout and one offense was just going to be a little bit better. That's right. I said that too. <laughs> I, said, I said both of those things. No stradicness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. If only, if only y'all had listened. Only you guys had listened. Uh, but I was wrong about some stuff as well. Obviously, uh, Texas A&M dominated Auburn. Yeah. Auburn's offense was anemic. They were completely non-existent. Not good. Not good at <laughs> all. Uh, and big win for Texas A&M. But right now, that like middle pack of the SEC, what's crazy is if Alabama loses another game because uh, I believe Texas A&M only has two losses. Is that correct? Right. So if Auburn loses another SEC game, Texas A&M, if they win out, would go to the cop would go to the SEC championship out of the West, which is crazy. And yeah. considering that Alabama all damn near lost to LSU, it was I think it was thirty four straight games that Alabama had scored thirty or more points. And Saturday broke that. They won 20 to 14. Uh, and get this stat. Alabama had six rushing yards. What? Alabama I, only had of. six rushing yards. I, I'm, I'm just thinking, when was the last time Nick Saban had a team with six rushing yards? And Dolphins? <laughs> no, it literally, it would be probably. NFL. Yeah, I don't even know. And even that. then, they probably they at least a, got 10. They had a good running team back then, actually, when he was their coach. So. LSU was missing half of their, half of their like starting defensive line, too. It was, it was a weird, uh, weird day for Alabama. They hold on to the win. But then we have this debate, right, on, on the radio today. Who's number two right now? Right? Because Cincinnati almost loses to Tulsa or to, yeah, Tulsa. Alabama almost drops one to LSU. Oregon in a hard-fought game ends up coming out on top against Washington. Ohio State Which, almost loses to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Who are, who is number two? Georgia, no questions. Number one, but two through six is anybody's game. It's Purdue. <laughs> I think it's really no. This is close. This is this is without a doubt at this point in the season. I feel like it's usually people are very heated about who is where and everything. And Cincinnati still has a case, but this is the most uncertain two through whatever's been. 
and maybe not back in the BCS days, there was always a number one, a two, three, four kind of in the college football playoff days. Everyone's talking about four, five, six. Right now we're talking about two. Yeah. We have no idea who two is. And I don't think anyone, if you say you're certain, you're talking bullshit because I guarantee you, you can you in your mind are like, well, this also had like Cincinnati, but they all like, they haven't really shown it. Yeah. And, and so that's, what's been tough to, to look at the, you know, all these teams, Oklahoma, really, is that where we're going to go? Like, right. Cause that's, that's even a hard team to put at number two with the teams they've played and how they've looked. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think what we'll end up seeing is I think Oklahoma will probably leapfrog uh, the the Michigan and Michigan State, and Oklahoma will probably come in at six, and I think everybody else slides up one. I think we see Oregon at number two – or, sorry, I think Alabama will stay number two. I think Oregon will be at three, uh, and then you'll have to see Ohio State at four, Cincinnati at five, and Oklahoma at six. Because if you're just looking at Cincinnati versus Oklahoma – uh, both of them have played Tulsa now, and Oklahoma almost lost to Tulsa in week one. Or was that Tulane? I was getting no, Tulsa. It was, oh, yeah. it was Tulane. Tulane. Um, but they will have a common opponent. Yeah. They will have a common opponent soon. But even regardless, if you look at those two teams, Oklahoma has zero wins over a top 25 team right now. And Cincinnati <laughs> has one of the best wins in the country and out on the road at Notre Dame. Notre Dame might even jump up there. I mean, you, you have to keep Michigan State at least one spot ahead in Michigan, right? Because Michigan, right. you know, they both have a loss, but at least Michigan has the head-to-head, or Michigan State is the head-to-head against Michigan. So I, I think Alabama, I think they'll keep Alabama too. And because Oregon just didn't do enough in that game. It was a cold, it was cold, it was bad weather. It was an ugly, weird game. I want to talk about that game real quick because sure. I, I saw something at the end of that game that I hadn't seen before. It was a Jimmy Lake punching one of his players. Uh, well, you know, that, that obviously also was something I hadn't seen. Cause that, since that happened. That, that also, yeah. What was the last time? I guess the last coach to do that was, uh, the last like big story about it was Jimbo when he grabbed, he grabbed the face mask of one of his, of, uh, one yeah. of his players. And uh-huh. the we I, the only reason I remember that is because we grabbed the soundbite of it where he said he grabbed it and jerked it. Yeah. And so we grabbed that and it became a drive. It's like, all I do is just grab it and jerked it, turned around. It's just Jimbo's little, you know, little Southern man boys. I'm talking a million miles. I just grabbed it and I just jerked it around. It's so funny. You're thinking of Woody Hayes. And I was thinking State. of Woody Hayes and he punched the fan. Like, I mean, but what, what I was talking about though. All right. Washington is down eight. They're on their oh, own 10. Yeah. It's fourth and 10 with 158 left. Two timeouts. Yeah. And they decide to punt. Hmm. hiked it over their punter's head into the back of the end zone. That was the end of the game. And it hit a cameraman in the face. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the weirdest moments I, I had seen because you're, you're watching, you're like, wait, they're not going to go for it. I guess they had two timeouts. So maybe they, they're hoping, you know, they, all right, so they get a minute. Back. It's raining. It's bad weather. Maybe they got muffs it. Right. Something. Rather than do we have enough after we haven't scored basically all game to be able to go on this a long drive from 090 on a fourth and 10. It was like it was a weird decision, no, no question. It was it was weird decision, but then the follow up of snapping it over everyone and hitting a cameraman in the face was that the intentional thing that they do sometimes? I don't, I don't know, but you're down eight, so it couldn't have been. Yeah, yeah, that like, is because I have seen guys do that intentionally. Right, we're right. Where you're like you're down, you're down five, you might points. as well just put it to seven and at least get it out of your own end zone. That's yeah. like when I went to that to Penn State, a notorious, a notorious six to four game. <laughs> six to four two safeties yeah we lost they gave us a safety and they're like i guarantee you won't score and they were right uh yeah 
that was a weird that was a weird <laughs> so anyway that whole game there was a weird vibe so yeah i don't think oregon gets any style points for that no <laughs> no no, no. I, and I'll, I'll be honest guys i have no idea what we're going to see out of the committee tomorrow night or tuesday night whenever you're listening to this like tuesday like i my guess is like uh, like i said i think I, your your top three will be georgia and then alabama oregon or oregon alabama i'd be curious as to how much the committee punishes alabama for almost losing that game because oregon looked better against washington than alabama did against lsu but lsu is definitely more talented team than washington uh and, and but it was also one you know it was washington on the road versus lsu at home you know even playing in death valley uh, yeah weird weird weekend and again i i think i just i, I think oregon will might might leap might leapfrog um but Oklahoma would be my guess is the the new team because there will be at least one new team in the top six this week, and I don't think Michigan State will hold on to number six. I think they'll probably drop to seven. Michigan will probably drop down to eight, and if they have, but also Oklahoma didn't play this weekend, so you're going to reward a team for not doing anything. And if they haven't done anything, and all Michigan did was win, and you already had Michigan ahead of of Oklahoma, yeah, but you can't lose if you don't play. So it, they didn't lose, <laughs> but they also didn't anything to move past, you know, because they had to. They have to move. They have to leapfrog it. Yeah, yeah. The the it's, famous play where the ball just stuck yeah. right in the ground. So I, I I do think what I'm still upset about is obviously Alabama has a loss, and somehow they're still ranked two. It's my only comment. It's the only thing I just want. I'm going to reiterate every week. Yeah. Until we see something else change, because I think that this is just. It's it's where we it's why we have a committee is the sport said we want people to determine this not record and not numbers or else we'd be in BCS era still, which I still think there's an argument. Hey, an expanded playoff with BCS rankings is pretty cool, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but this is the way we've gone as a sport. I just disagree with it, and uh, it's it's probably honestly good for the sport that there's nothing going on on Tuesday in the sports world. And now every Tuesday night, I feel like people get outraged and Twitter blows up at night. And so this is very good for college football. It is. It is. And, and there's no question about it. I, I still go back to how funny it was. When, like, when do you think the first time it clicked for the, the head of the, each commission, the Power Five, when they did a four-team playoff and they went, oh, shit, one of us isn't going to make it every year. Yeah. like they they get like oh it's gonna be a great play we're gonna this playoff and then all of a sudden it's like what what was it the big 12 who got left out the first year yeah, of the playoff they try to buy and then they just go yeah. oh shit only one one of us is gonna get fucked out of this I, I i that moment i would love to have had a camera on bob bullsby or whoever the commit the commissioner was at that time just that like that like uh so i wonder how if you're wondering how i got here <laughs> yeah right you know that that moment you'll and see they're definitely all of that but we're like it's not going to be us. It's definitely ACC. Yeah, and Clemson yeah, yeah. came on. Like, what the hell is yeah. going on here? Like, you know. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Uh, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, both at seven and two right now. Oklahoma State with a sneaky big win. Um, I still think Oklahoma State is. I think they're going to beat Oklahoma in the last game of the regular season. Well, and they got some help too. in Bedlam. They got oh. some help this week with TCU beating Baylor. Yeah, yeah. Um, for those for Cincinnati fans, though, that's not. I mean, I guess he could be good if you're a Cincinnati fans, one less potential team to be able to do it. Um, but Oklahoma State and, and Baylor both at one loss going into this weekend, and then Baylor getting you know knocked off by TCU. Uh, 
I, I think it means that Baylor realizes now, like, hey, our championship is going to be knocking off Oklahoma, which is yes. which is a good thing. And I think Oklahoma hosting that game in Bedlam is going to be big. And Oklahoma's got to go on the roads. It's it's Oklahoma at Baylor next week, I believe, uh, and then Oklahoma at home against Iowa State, and then they got to go on the road to Bedlam. Uh, to take on Oklahoma State. And then they're going to have to play most likely Oklahoma State again the following week in the Big 12 championship. <laughs> so two losses there are very possible for Oklahoma. Um, but as far as this week, what we're going to see Tuesday night from the committee, I, I still think – I don't think Oregon did enough to to leapfrog Alabama. Uh, and, and, oh, look, Oklahoma is just – they haven't played anybody, man. And Cincinnati at least has the, has one of the best wins in college football this season. And they haven't been rewarded for it because they don't play the power five. So it's once you get after one, two through six could be any, I could vomit four names. You know, we had a guy call in and be like, just pull it out of a lottery, just get a lottery machine, just pull five, put all five teams in there and just pick one. Because honestly, (laughs) I could make an argument for every one of those teams and I can make an argument against every one of those teams. And that's kind of where we're at right now with the playoff. And uh, next week, uh, it, it's a relatively decent week, week 11 in college football, uh, North Carolina and Pittsburgh on a Thursday night, which will be interesting. It's actually more enticing than the, uh, the Thursday night football game this week. Uh, you do have Baylor, Oklahoma, Mississippi State and Auburn, though Mississippi State coming off of a loss. I would expect them to probably drop close to out of the top 25. Except uh, for Penn State, Michigan. Yeah. Michigan, Penn State. We have a chance to really, if like you're saying, if, if we – are healthy and we can come out there. There is a chance that we can knock off Michigan even more, and, and that would just be nice to see. Yeah. And how about yeah, if Purdue, how about Purdue? How about Purdue? Can man? can Purdue keep keep it up again? Because they got they're going to Ohio State. That's gonna be massive. You know what? What if what if Purdue just knocks off Ohio State? <laughs> like like we we do have a chance for some serious chaos here. And in talking to a lot of uh, college football fans over the weekend, it seems like especially Penn State fans, uh, it seems like chaos is uh is on the menu right now i think that's what most people want so i hope so we'll see we'll see um all right it's like a quick break we have our seltzer set up so uh you can listen to us or you can wait for the video to come out but we'll do our best to try to even just hearing us be uh there's a pumpkin spice one and that's that's not gonna be fun for anybody so we'll take a quick break do that to wrap up the show and uh get you on your way to another week all right y'all we're here we are doing the taste test that we've been uh, honestly teasing now for since week two. I think I got these because I went over to, to Scotty's place. Yeah, and that was the Auburn game. So it was the weekend yeah, of the Auburn. Yeah, it, it was week two of the NFL because the Niners and the Eagles played. Uh, and I got this case, and you can see we have our selection right there in front of us. And I got this case thinking, like, this is going to be really fun, right? Like, we'll do this taste test. Vito can get one while we're, you know, doing We can do a little, like, Zoom thing of it. And uh, I left the case at Scotty's house and they've been sitting in Scotty's fridge for uh, a month and a half. So we figured, you know what? We're all together. A little impromptu. We talked about at the end of last week. So let's do it. Let's dive into it. So we to, to run through the lineup here, we got our apple cider. We have uh, maple pear, toasted marshmallow and pumpkin spice. Now, I've actually met some people who have tried these that are kind of into them they actually think they're pretty good so i'm very curious for this i'm gonna ask you guys before we get into it uh rank the ones that you think like highest to lowest. like which one do you think you'll like the best that's one and then four just like a college football player all right in my playoff ranking apple crisp holds that top spot 
Um, second, I'm actually going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Toaster Marshmallow as a surpriser. Ooh. Three, I'm going to go Pumpkin Spice. And four, I'm going Maple. You don't think you're going to like the Maple Pear? No, for some reason I don't. I don't know why. Hot yeah. Take. You know but I think it's the best can of all of them. It's definitely the best design. Yeah. Definitely the best design. I'm with you uh, on the Toaster Marshmallow. That's my number one. Wow, let's go. I think that's going to be the best one, then followed quickly by Apple Crisp uh, in the number two. Uh, That's the Alabama of of, uh, the seltzers here. Then I'm going to go with the the maple uh, pear one at three and the pumpkin at four. All right. I I think I'm going to like the maple pear the best. I think that's Mm going to be my number one. I think the apple crisp will be number two. And uh, I don't know. This kind of reminds me of the year when you had Baylor and TCU, and they finished like fifth and sixth yeah. in the playoff rankings, and like neither one was enjoyable. <laughs> uh, that's what I think is going to happen there, and I think we're going to go BCS era, or these like this like Boise State and yeah. uh, Houston that one year. Um, all right, well let's do it. We'll start with the Apple Crisp. All right, boys, we all got one. Well, I like this. This is Niners color, um, and uh, we all have to shotgun the one that we dislike the most. <laughs> Um, Cheers, boys. It smells good. It smells really good, actually. Oh, it's got a little cinnamon smell. Oh, yeah. A little spicy. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. I just forgot. I, like, I just don't like seltzers, which is also hilarious. It tastes like the inside of a toaster strudel. It's way too sweet. Yeah. It's way too sweet. Yeah. Like, I told you. I like it. It's Alabama. I think it's okay. Some people like it. Some people hate it. It doesn't even taste like... <laughs> It doesn't taste like anything. It tastes like really shitty apple juice that you, you put ice cubes in and then it melted down. You forgot about it for a couple hours. And somehow there's like, like and then there's like that. Water, I know what you're talking about. Seltzer water in it. Yeah. Like seltzer water. The, and, the strudel bit. The apple toaster strudel. That's yes. Like yes. Like it tastes like an apple yeah. toaster strudel, but not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Not in a good way. All right. Well, if we thought we were going to like this one, then <laughs> right, we might have some low expectations. <laughs> okay. No, you were just wrong about your All rankings. Right. <sighs> All right. Okay, so right now I'm putting this here. To I had them at number What's two. next? The yeah, maple. Uh, maple pear, which again, I'll get, get the camera a little close up there. There we go. Some really nice <clears throat> color. It, they did the, whoever did the marketing. The marketing is great. Great job. I believe it's actually called the fall flannel pack. Good for them. They crushed it. I like. I think this is going to be the best one. Serious? Oh, I like it that. Smells like the smell. good. Yeah, I like the Damn, smell. Yeah, that does smell good. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. This would be really good if you mixed it in, like a, if you did a mixed drink where like, this was the That's base. Terrible! <laughs> oh my it's god, like a candle. See, this is my problem. I have to like chug something to really hold. Oh, I don't like that one. I don't love it, but I, like I said, like I think it needs like if you put like whiskey in this. Yeah, that'd be okay. Like a little mix- mixer. Yeah, it's too. It's not enough it's maple. Way, it, no, see, it's, it's too way too maple. maple. Yeah. It's way too much maple. Oh, see, I need yeah. more pear. Oh man, yeah, I don't need any pair. Jeez, God, this is like all right. So, so let's just take the minute. Oh. Which one's better for you guys? The apple. So Apple's far. on top for me too. Um, oh, right, like we we got to keep our order here because this is where it gets Dude. tough. Yeah, probably. Oh, that's I'm a masochist. I'm gonna put the maple ahead a little bit. But again, if those two were not as enjoyable as I thought they would be, then these two are going to be. I'm putting maple above apple. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm with that was you. a surprise for me. I'm with you. I, I'm thought, gonna have be, maple. I thought this was going to be my four seed. All right. Well, let's try the toasted marshmallow. This is my one. 
again a really nice color color coding here. got a lot right i also i just i can't emphasize this enough for everyone watching i don't like seltzers so this whole thing is really weird for me i just keep drinking drinks i don't enjoy all right oh god don't smell it Ooh, I like that I like smell. smell. No. I love that smell, baby. We no, might have an upset. It smells like pinnacle whipped and not in a good way. It tastes nope. smoked. Nope. <laughs> like it, was, that, right? it was good on, at the beginning and then the after. Oh, yes. Yes. I just had that. Ex- as you yeah. were saying that, I had the exact same thought. <laughs> oh, still better than the maple because like i the first sip i had of it i was like oh this actually is the most complete like there's like it this. wasn't watered down but the aftertaste is awful oh no very much at the bottom for me nope. very much at the bottom so i'm putting far. it in the two spot behind apple crisp but ahead of maple pear i think it's better than the maple oh god no i can't even finish that that is that is atrocious honestly guys the worst part is trying to figure out which one it belongs with and then drinking a mixture of these I just had some some toasted mellow still in me and just took some of the maple pear and those don't mix well. The mellow, like the marshmallow one is like actually making me nauseous. That is horrific. It'll be okay. It might be my one. I really hope pumpkin spice is the best and we all were wrong. Pretty sure we all had it at four. No, I had it at three. You had pumpkin spice at three? What'd you have as your four? Maple pear. Told you. No, yeah, actually I'm going toasted marshmallow too. Apple Christmas was my lead. Apple Christmas was my one. Bama, what'd you do? <laughs> All right. I still have the aftertaste. Here's our Clemson. Of the Malo. This is the Clemson. <laughs> Clemson. Cheers, guys. It doesn't, it doesn't smell overly pumpkin-y. No. That's the number one. That's the number one. That's the number, that's one. The number one. That's an upset. You that's, know why? That's the clear far of all, and away. Of all four of them, I could drink this all night long. Yes. That is the only reason. Yes. Man, how did Apple cri- this? Okay, so just to recap, my one through four is pumpkin spice, maple pear, toasted marshmallow, and then apple crisp, which I think might be the exact inverse of what I thought I was going to rank them at. Wow. That uh, is, yeah, I think that is, Vito. I think where you're are you a putting complete it? inverse. I have it as my one. Uh, pumpkin is my one, apple crisp my two, toasted marshmallow three, maple pear four. Although the more I think about that toasted marshmallow one, Jeff, the more I'm like with you. <laughs> I don't know. So I, it's weird because I don't usually like pumpkin beers because they taste too sweet and artificial. But this, for some reason, doesn't. This tastes really good. Actually. I'm not even going to try the marshmallow. One. I got to say, this apple crisp one is by far and away for me the worst. The worst. I, I just can't do it. Wow. Okay. That was um, rough. So I, what I want, I just want a pear seltzer because the first sip of the maple pear is delicious. And then the aftertaste is so heavy maple that it, it's overpowering. And then it, it just gives you this like fake sweet taste. I can't, the marshmallow one is the clear Update, last. Yeah. Marshmallow's moving down by me. far last. Um, Going back and trying the apple crisp again. Apple crisp is bad. Is that your, is this, your rank? This is it. No. One, two, three. Oh, Jeff. Let me, I, I'm taking the apple crisp. I got to go back to the apple again. Never buy this. <laughs> Never buy Buy this pack and throw those away. I wouldn't give a dog this, even if dogs were allowed to drink alcohol. That is the grossest 
alcoholic drink I've ever had in my in life. In fact, I'll even say this. If someone watching this video gets one of these cans and shotguns it, I will Venmo you $10. Well, uh, I mean, I might do that for $10. Yeah, I'll do that for less. Okay, You're I will Venmo you guys $5. <laughs> um, First winner. First one gets it. God, oh, why did I drink the marshmallow yeah. one again? It just coats your tongue in this, like, it's for me, it's, it's almost medicinal tasting. Like, it, it's awful. For me, it's like it hits your chest and it literally feels like a smoked seltzer. Like, you know, when someone smokes a whiskey, and you're like, oh, this is nice. It reflects the, you know, the, the actual taste very the well. Yeah. And then all of a sudden on a seltzer, guess what? It shouldn't be smoked. That no. is an awful combination. No, it's like, it's like, imagine someone took like a sweet, like, if you took Pinnacle Whipped. And you made a seltzer with that flavor, and then someone took liquid smoke, and then just like put a little bit or like a lot of it in it. Guys, you know um, what can make this better? Liquid smoke. smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I think just marshmallow flavor would have been better than smoke, yes. like a toasted marshmallow. Yes, absolutely. And again, like the, the best taste out of all these is the first sip of the maple one. Like that first t- when it first touches your tongue, because you just get like a pear flavor but then it's so heavy maple on the back end so no, uh, yeah that's, that's the ranking for me that's ooh. for me i'm just I'm, I'm not surprised way to go bud light at least hitting this pumpkin spice i will say the pumpkin spice was the surprise that's scotty's number one yeah. that's your number one it's my number two uh so collectively if we average all these out clemson uh, one clemson again there hey you know what damn it's, it it's not clemson's <laughs> year uh in college football but for this and good news uh, there is a Christmas edition pack that was just released. Oh, no uh, way. So this, again. this is the first of our uh, whatever this is. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So that's going to be the end of the pod um, as well as the end of the video. So thank you for watching. Um, and uh, for all the podcast listeners listening there, uh, we got some awesome stuff coming up. There is a, Former first round NFL draft pick who will be on the show with me uh, within the next couple of weeks. So oh. stay tuned for that. Uh, very excited for that interview. Uh, we'll get into a bunch of different stuff with uh, with one of my guys. So stand tight. Thank you all for uh, for listening as always for Scotty and Vito. I, I again, I know this is probably sounded a little bit different. Might've been in and out of the mics, but hey, it was a lot of fun to get all of cool. us together. So Tell for, a friend. For the boys and for uh, Mr. and Mrs. San Vito, thank you for letting us use your house and your basement. And I hope everyone has a wonderful week. As always, take it easy.